This is World to Win, bringing you the latest news and analysis from a socialist perspective. Hi everyone and welcome to episode 36 of World to Win. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and also click the bell button so that you're notified when we next go live and also when we upload new videos. Today we have a very, very special episode. So I'm sure you've all heard about the developments in China and Hong Kong in the past year or so. Um, and the ISA has now launched a new campaign, which is Solidarity Against Repression in China and Hong Kong. So today we'll be talking to Jacko from Hong Kong and also other activists from Hong Kong and China about the background to this solidarity appeal to this campaign and also what's happening in China and Hong Kong right now. Of course, as people might know, the situation in uh, both China and Hong Kong is a little bit steamy, let's say, um, and the heroic activities of our members are incredibly dangerous under the Chinese repressive regime. So that means that some of uh, the people that we're going to talk to today aren't going to be able to show their faces on camera. But don't worry about it because what they have to say is really important and also we're going to make it as easy as possible uh, with some really exciting videos from uh, what was happening in Hong Kong and China. So before we start, I'd like everyone to take a minute and post a message of solidarity in the comments because our members and our activists are seeing this and obviously the situation is awful. So it'd be really good to hear some solidarity from everyone. And before we uh, go into that, while you uh, put your solidarity messages, I want to say hi to Toya, my co-host. How are you doing? How's it going, Yara? It's great to see you, and I'm really excited for this episode. I mean, I'm sure people have seen what's been going on in the U.S. Um, with the Stop Asian Hate movement, um, and so I'm excited to talk about how, uh, you know, there's connections to what's going on um, in Hong Kong and China and also here in the U.S., and how um, this is just going to be, you know, a, a global issue affecting everybody. So it's great to see you, and I'm excited for the episode this week. I'm really excited, too. I think it's always so interesting. I feel like I'm always trying to avoid the situation in China when I'm reading or hearing about things because it's just so complicated. Uh, but every time I talk to our members and our activists from that region, it's always becoming clearer and clearer. And I completely agree that it's not just with the movement in the US right now, but generally the way that the Chinese regime affects the world and kind of like the collision between the, 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 the collision between the US and China and like the blocks really interesting and really important for Marxists to understand and also everyone in the world to understand really so I want to like dive into the episode first so let's start with Hong Kong the H Hong Kong is facing unprecedented repression right now the Chinese dictatorship is cracking down like never before. We've seen Hong Kong as, you know, it's always uh, talked about as kind of like a beacon of democracy uh, around uh, the region, but we're seeing that kind of very quickly uh, is becoming disillusioned with that. And uh, opposition activists and also trade unionists are under attack from the national security law, uh, which Beijing passed nine months ago. The US and the EU are hitting Chinese government officials with sanctions, which kind of just marks a new escalation of the Cold War between China and the West. 
And the idea that a lot of commentators were talking about that they, this Cold War is going to slow down with Joe Biden replacing Trump has been proven to be completely wrong. So we'll be talking a little bit more about that with Jacob. But before we go into that, I want to ask Sean to tell us more about what's happening in, the, in, in Hong Kong right now. So over to you, Sean. Hello, comrades. In January, 53 Hong Kong opposition activists and politicians were arrested for subversion of state power. This was the biggest use so far of the national security law enacted by China last year. They were arrested for organizing and standing in a primary to decide on candidates for the next local election. That's the so-called parliament in Hong Kong. Basically, the whole field from left to right of opposition candidates are now arrested. The penalties are severe, up to life imprisonment. On February 28th, the trials of 47 of the arrested began. This is a show trial against those seen as symbols of the 2019 struggle. Among those charged are veteran left-wing grassroots fighter Long Hair, also Joshua Wong, the favorite of Western Borgia's liberals. Also trade union representatives, this includes the Confederation of Trade Unions Chairperson Carol Ng and the Chairwoman of the New Public Hospital Workers Union Winnie Yu, who organized the medical workers strike last year at the beginning of the pandemic. It is not an accident that Xi Jinping's dictatorship also attacks workers and unions. Look at history. The workers' movement has always played a key role in the struggle for democracy. In Russia, in February 1917, it wasn't liberal parties and capitalists who led the revolution that brought down the charged dictatorship. It was the workers led by socialists and Marxists. The liberal pan-democrats in Hong Kong may not know this history, but the Chinese dictatorship has a clear understanding if it exempts the trade unions from the current repression, this will come back to bite it in the future. Earlier this month, China's MPC, its so-called parliament, endorsed a new political system for Hong Kong. This puts the final nail in the coffin of Hong Kong's pseudo-democracy. The legal in Hong Kong was never democratic, but under the new rules, it will become a complete rubber stamp. The number of seats elected by voters would drop from 50% to only 22%. A leading Japanese newspaper pointed out that this is less than under the wartime military dictatorship in Japan. There are reports that the next targets of the Xi's dictatorship are the opposition parties and organizations. The regime is investigating whether groups like the Civil Human Rights Front, which organizes the annual mass massive July 1st demo and the huge demos in 2019, have received financial support from foreign governments. This is a false accusation. But if found guilty, these organizations will be banned this also means that the Confederation of Trade Unions, which has received money from the NED in the US, could be under attack. The CCP's repression will not stop 
unless they face revolutionary struggles in Hong Kong and China. Yet, the bourgeois democrats are not putting up a fight. Instead, they are in retreat. Major parties like the Democratic Party and the Civic Party, also the Professional Teachers Union, are withdrawing from the front in the hope of protecting themselves. The dictatorship's real target is not these parties, not even the front, but to ban the mass demos. The front organized the giant demos in 2019 with 1.7 million and 2.3 million on the streets. Socialist Action, which is ISA in Hong Kong, applied to join the front in defense of the right of protest. If this attack succeeds, the next target will be to ban the annual commemoration of June 4th, the Beijing massacre in 1989. Xi's policies are stoking mass anger and political radicalization, which cannot indefinitely be suppressed by police measures, especially in mainland China. We stress that the struggle for democracy must link up with the vast working class in China in the common anti-capitalist revolutionary struggle. Thank you. So we saw, you know, a few years back, the, the huge movement that took place in Hong Kong, um, the democracy movement, which we've talked about um, on our show and the International Socialist Alternative has tons of material. Um, so you can read about what went on there during that time um, if you're not, you know, aware of the huge mass movement that inspired people um, across the world. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about what's going on now. Um, we've seen, uh, you know, basically the, the CCP, the Communist Party of China in Beijing, Beijing um, has control over uh, what's going on in, in Hong Kong in a very undemocratic way, to say the least. So um, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, what's the mood of the people there in Hong Kong? And is there a way that uh, they can fight back against this? Um, against this, you know, Beijing control. Jacko, what's your what's your take on this? The uh, mass people uh, in Hong Kong are still very, very angry. Uh, the Chinese dictatorship and Carrie Lam government cannot gain any support from this repression. Uh, while this is a counter-revolution situation, the repression is really uh, extremely brutal. Uh, it doesn't mean that Hong Kong will go back to the period uh, before 2019. The extreme hatred against this government and the police will not go down. And, uh, young, and young people are ready to die to fight against police uh, and dictators. And uh, the illusion to the so-called one country, two system, which is a fake promise from uh, the Chinese government that they will allow some autonomy to Hong Kong, this illusion is already smashed. And, um, and uh, while this, uh, it's impossible to organize big mass demonstration now because of the uh, gathering ban under pandemic, uh, the, the uh, anger that will just accumulate uh, in the next period and uh, the government is still very unstable. And uh, at the same time, there, of course, we recognize there's a mood of frustration 
For example, in opinion polls, 30% of the youth are planning to immigrate from Hong Kong. Uh, there's a few, uh, strong sense of no hope and a gloomy future of uh, China taking over. Uh, so that uh, this, uh, uh, for example, there's a very popular slogan among young uh, protest protester layers in Hong Kong that the slogan of mutual destruction, which is a main slogan of the young candidates uh, for the electoral election uh, last year, the, which was a primary election and it was uh, attacked under the national security law now. Uh, this slogan of mutual destruction means that uh, we have no stake in the society anyway under this system. And let's do anything to pay any price to paralyze the government and economy to support, for example, foreign sanctions uh, to, uh, in order to stop the, society, uh, the running of the society. And of course, we know that... Uh, uh, this is com a combination of extreme anger against the establishment, but also uh, this also shows frustration and lack a lack of pro clear political alternative. And most people still lack confidence that they can really defeat the dictatorship, and they are not yet clear what kind of new system they really want. And uh, not only repression, the economy is also very uh, in the situation uh, that offer a very Groom uh, dark future for workers and youth. Hong Kong has a highest unemployment rate for 17 years now. The wealth gap is the most extreme among all advanced capitalist countries. So all these combined uh, make young people feel that, feeling that they have nothing to lose anymore. And uh, uh, and also the uh, there is a big fear of repression and surveillance, and that's why. Uh, the government will still be unstable, and we we don't know w which city from from the whole China will explode protests in the next period. It can be Hong Kong, or even it can be uh, other cities in mainland China, uh, where in mainland China the radicalization uh, of the youth is becoming uh, growing very fast. So uh, this situation shows that uh, the counter revolution, the dictatorship, the dictatorship cannot achieve what they want from the counter-revolution. It's so incredible to hear what you're talking about. I think that the point that you made just at the start about how people in Hong Kong and in China are willing to actually die for, um, uh, like for while well, fighting this regime. I think this is an incredible thing to even think about, I think, in a lot of countries, um, that there is even you know a consideration but I think like you described really, really well, this is something that is on the cards. <laughs> and not just that, is obviously there is that, but also prosecutions and just general kind of like attacks on organizations and also individuals and protests. Um, so speaking about that, uh, we have a short video uh, from our members in Hong Kong who explain uh, uh, the kind of case of Longhair, who is a left activist and also former legislator who is charged with subversion in Hong Kong. So really interested to hear about that. This is Leung Kwok Hong. He is better known as Longhair. He is in prison awaiting trial under the national security law. Longhair represents the League of Social Democrats and he was the only left representative in the old Legislative Council. 
as a legislator, Longhair refused to take the full legislator's salary. It is well known that he still lives in a small public housing apartment. The new international campaign, Solidarity Against Repression in China and Hong Kong, will feature the demands to release the political prisoners. There are many different political viewpoints among the prisoners. Some are liberals, some are localists. As socialists, we would strongly disagree with some of them. But of course, they are innocent. Longhair is a sincere fighter for democratic rights and workers' causes. He has stood up for the rights of refugees and against racism and discrimination by the Hong Kong government. Longhair was also imprisoned by the British colonial administration 40 years ago. This time, he could be sentenced to life imprisonment. Today, he is charged with conspiracy to subvert state power because like 50 other candidates, he participates in a primary organized by pro-democracy groups. The CCP says the primary was an attempt to overthrow the government. The CCP will never allow any opposition to win an election. You can send a letter to long hair in prison to show your support. You can get your trade union branch to send a letter. There are strict rules from the prison authorities about what you can put in a letter. So send them to us. Our campaign will coordinate. Please check the details on our Facebook page, Solidarity Against Repression in China and Hong Kong. So what's become clear, um, you know, discussing the situation in Hong Kong is the need for struggle to be connected with workers and youth um, all over the world. Um, and this is one of the reasons that it didn't succeed in Hong Kong is because uh, if we don't internationalize um, the struggle, you know, we can't um, truly fight against the capitalist class, which is organized internationally. So now we have an exciting part where we're going to hear from a Chinese comrade um, in mainland China, Lance, um, and he's going to fill us in a little bit more about the situation that's going on there, um, which sometimes it's hard for us to uh, get all this info on. So this part is very exciting. Lance? Hello, I am Lance. Thank you for inviting me onto World to Win. In China, state repression is accelerating with the attack on democratic rights in Hong Kong being a part of this wider process. The so-called communist regime led by Xi Jinping is doing this because it needs to show strength against U.S. and Western meddling. This has become more important during the new Cold War. This is not only to warn foreign governments, there are power struggles inside the CCP regime, and Xi Jinping needs to show a hard line against his rivals. Xi Jinping has to use Han nationalist and chauvinist policies to divert public anger from the real causes of the increasing economic, political, and social problems. Although China is one of a few economies globally which had GDP growth in 2020, it had the weakest growth rate since 1976. Some statistical exaggeration has always been used. Still, going by the official data, China's economy grew by 2.3% last year. Projections of China's growth this year range between 7% and 10%, but if we combine the two years 2020 and 2021, it's around 6% per year or possibly lower. So the long-term slowdown of China's economy is continuing. As a point of reference, 
the U.S. economy is forecast to grow by 6.5% this year. So China's V-shaped recovery is not so remarkable. Workers are not gaining from this economic growth. For the first time since 2009, not a single Chinese province increased the minimum wage last year. A recent Pew survey shows that the number living on low income increased by 30 million in 2020, and 10 million fell out of the middle class. The government is also preparing to launch an attack on pensions, starting by raising the female retirement age from 55 to 60 to achieve so-called equality with men. This is because the pension system is running out of money. Also, falling birth rates and a shrinking labor force mean that China faces a demographic crisis. This is made worse by galloping debt level. The central bank says that China's total debt rose to 280 percent of GDP in 2020, up from 255 percent of GDP in 2019. This is a very fast and dangerous growth of debt, which cannot be sustained without causing a financial crisis. At some point in the future, since 2014, Xi's regime has also implemented ultra-repressive policies in Xinjiang. One to three million people, mainly Muslim Uyghurs, but also other non-Han ethnic groups such as Kazakhs and Kyrgyz, have been sent to detention camps for the so-called re-education. People who have a beard, quit smoking, or watch foreign religious TV programs can all be considered extremists and sent to the detention camps. Victims are asked to abandon their religious beliefs and declare allegiance to the CCP regime. Otherwise, they will be beaten or deprived of food and drink. The repression is much more severe than other parts of China. This includes a mass surveillance system with racially specific technology that can identify Uyghur faces, the massive checking of ID cards and mobile phones by the police, and the mandatory installation of surveillance apps in mobile phones. But with the repression escalating, many Han Chinese residents have realized they are also victims of CCP rule. At the same time, many counter-reforms can spark major unrest. Workers in China have tried to organize for basic rights. For example, delivery drivers called for a strike on 8th March after the arrest of a driver who formed an informal or independent union. In China, independent trade unions have always been outlawed. Within CCP, there are power struggles. Xi's factional rivals are uneasy over the direction of the state. They think that Xi's authoritarian policies and nationalist warfare foreign policies have gone too far and made unnecessary troubles. There is a fear that he is too reckless. This will create a bigger backlash from other capitalist powers, with his aggressive and militarist policies, like in Hong Kong and Taiwan. Also, his policies will create an internal backlash. Myanmar shows that all dictatorships eventually face mass resistance. The Chinese economy is actually very vulnerable to decoupling and protectionism from Western capitalism, which she tries to play down. In conclusion, the CCP dictatorship is sitting on a time bomb by continually doubling down on hardline repressive policies. While workers' conditions are getting worse, Xi's regime is creating an explosive future. So we've just heard from Lance about the CCP regime,、uh, and you know we we've heard that it's facing a lot more difficulties than most people around the world are aware of. I think it's really interesting, especially in the context of every time we first of all, I think the CCP regime 
tries to present this facade of being super, super organized, super united. And it's really interesting to hear that it's not, but also think that, you know, you would think that the global media would kind of eat it up and kind of talk about it all the time. But at the same time, we're seeing from global media the same facade. So it's really interesting to hear what's actually happening. And I think it's also very important for us to understand, uh, it's important for our understanding of why the CCP regime is going so hard at Hong Kong. And I think it's, it's clear why it's escalating this. But also, you know, it's Hong Kong, but also it's the Cold War that we, we were talking about a little bit. And I think this is a really interesting point for a lot of people outside of China and Hong Kong, but also in. Because, you know, after so long of the US and China kind of working together, we're suddenly seeing those drifting apart. And this, I think, is really making it clear why this struggle between the US and, and, and China is so acute. So, Jacko, what would you think? How, how do you see this US-China Cold War developing? How, how do you think it will affect Hong Kong as well? Uh, both China and US imperialism, they need uh, to demonstrate their nationalism and to use it to divert the attention of the uh, mass people in their own country. Uh, because they, the, there is a big crisis in, in China now, uh, since the pandemic, and uh, so they need uh, Xi Jinping, especially for to gain his authority. He needs nationalism in order to bring the social problem uh, uh, and the system problem to foreign powers. And for example, uh, recently in this uh, Alaska meeting, uh, the Chinese diplomats was very unusually uh, using very hard rhetoric. Uh, to speak against uh, the U.S. administration. Uh, this is very unusual for them because China has been using a lot of moderate uh, rhetoric, try to try to present themselves as a uh, peaceful global power or to uh, maintain the world order. Uh, now, uh, and but in this meeting, uh, there was one of the uh, diplomats called Yang. He spoke for 16 minutes, uh, arguing China has a good human rights condition and the internal affairs of China has no business with the U.S. And he blamed the uh, U.S. is a like a big system of big crisis. And uh, the target of this speech is not really speaking to the U.S. government, but to speak to the uh, their audience in their home, at their home, because they uh, they want to sh- now there's a big uh, 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 state propaganda in China now to compare this meeting uh, to the meeting in 1901 when uh, uh, when the uh, old uh, Chinese uh, feudal dynasty had a loss in the war against the imperialist powers and they were in a meeting that signing a very uh, insulting deals and they say now uh, China is going rising up, and we have we are a strong world power. Uh, this, uh, this, and also it is very revealing that uh, there's a detail that in when when Yang made the speech, he spoke with uh, for uh, in Chinese uh, for sixteen minutes without any pause for translation. 
So uh, this is unusual in such meeting, and it tells us that he is really not uh, speaking uh, to the U.S. government officials, but to but to the Chinese uh, masses to wipe out nationalism. And uh, and this uh, oh, this is a big this is a the Chinese China U.S. conflict will not uh, go down under the Biden administration. Uh, we can see. Uh, there has been escalation of China-U.S. conflicts since Biden came to power. Biden uh, will have a, a more moderate rhetoric uh, compared to Trump. And uh, however, the, 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 the anti-China policy will be more coherent and more comprehensive to contain China. And unlike Trump, trade will not no longer be the main issue under Biden. Uh, however, there's the... Uh, imperialist power struggle on other aspects, including tech war, uh, spy war, and also military conflict, especially in South China Sea and Taiwan. This will be the main issue that uh, Biden will, will use in order to uh, uh, attack uh, Xi Jinping, the Xi Jinping government. And also, we can see the with the sanction uh, from the EU uh, on the issue of the most uh, uh, cons uh, the camp in Xinjiang, and this sanction now China takes countermeasures against the sanctions of EU, and the EU China tra uh, trade deal which was signed uh, last year, it is really under threat now. So we can see in this period the normal economic deals or uh, the uh, normal economic interests of the capitalists. Uh, will uh, be uh, secondary, and the political struggle will be the main issue between these uh, these powers. So this is a, a lesson for us to foresee how the group the group how the global capitalist crisis will develop uh, in the next period. And uh, the and also the uh, human the human rights issue or democracy issue that uh, Biden will use it. For uh, they are not really care. They don't really care the democratic right in Hong Kong or China. What they want is to fight for their geopolitical power and influence. And so we also need to be very alert that the pe people in Hong Kong and China should not have any illusion to this uh group uh U.S. imperialism that they will become a uh savior for the uh the struggle at the the democratic rights now in Hong Kong. And we must have an independent working class uh, and internationalist uh, approach with an independent position of uh, from China and US imperialism and organized with like, trade unions, workers' organizations, protest groups to unite around the world uh, uh, with the grassroots and working class people around the world to fight against the dictatorship. Thank you so much for this, Jack. I think this is really important to put this kind of like internationalist lens on what we're talking about, because it's not just a situation about like nothing is a situation that's only existing in one country. But I think specifically with like you explained with a place like China, like Hong Kong, it's so overreaching throughout the world. And I think it's really important that we understand it. Um, so. We have another video that I want to kind of uh, introduce because it, it, it will talk a little bit about the campaign that we have uh, launched, which I'm really excited to hear more about. But I think it will also give us some information about kind of 
what is needed in China and Hong Kong? What what is it that the activists from the ISA are doing there? What we're fighting for? So really excited to hear that. Hello, thanks for inviting me on World to Win. Today in Hong Kong, the Chinese state is attacking everything: trade unions, independent media, social media, the universities, the legal system, and of course the pro-democracy opposition parties. This is counter-revolution. It is the capitalist Xi Jinping regime attacking the rights of workers and ordinary people. It is part of a wider pattern in China. Democracy is not just about elections. Socialists and the working class also fight to defend the right to organize, freedom of assembly, freedom to say and print what we believe. These things are fundamental to building a working class political alternative. The right to strike and the right to form trade unions, all these things are under attack, as they were in Europe in the 1930s from nationalist and fascist regimes. When Western capitalist governments say these things, it is hypocritical. But workers and socialists have the right to speak about this reality. Comrades in China, Hong Kong, and Taiwan applaud the decision of ISA to launch the campaign. Solidarity against repression in China and Hong Kong. Please do what you can to raise this issue and get support from workers and young people. The U.S. government suddenly objects to repression and totalitarian rule in China. The change in Washington's tone is only because of the Cold War, the struggle between U.S. and Chinese imperialism. But the U.S. also provides military support for 73 percent. Of world dictatorships, including Egypt, Ethiopia, Kazakhstan, Saudi Arabia, and Vietnam, we want our international comrades to understand that the situation is very serious. Please understand that the struggle will continue, even if the situation is difficult. It is not game over for the future mass struggles in China and Hong Kong. Myanmar shows that workers and young people will never surrender to dictatorship. But what is needed is a clear strategy and understanding of how to rebuild the struggle. The Chinese dictatorship has not won any support with its hardline repression, and the pro-capitalist Hong Kong government is more hated than ever. Many youth in China also support the Hong Kong struggle. There is growing radicalization among Chinese youth and workers. Nationalist propaganda and censorship are not enough to prevent this. This is also why Xi Jinping is escalating the repression. He needs to continually escalate because he is afraid for the future of his regime. Marxists and ISA warned about this. In 2019, we were active and supported the mass rap protest, but we also stressed the need for a different direction. We said that the protests in Hong Kong weren't enough, despite being probably the biggest per capita protest in world history. A so-called Normal government could have been beaten by such a movement, but not the CCP, as it is the world's biggest dictatorship. One city alone cannot win. We said the struggle needs to spread to China, to the working class, which is a potential force of over 700 million people. So everything that helps to spread the struggle to China is progressive, and everything that prevents this is unfortunately not helpful and not progressive. This is why we very firmly warn against any trust in the U.S., 
the UK, the EU, and many capitalist governments. They would sabotage the struggle for democracy. We fully support the five demands of the Hong Kong movement, but we also explain that they are not enough. These demands have huge support among Hong Kong people, including the release of the political prisoners to bring the brutal police force to justice and to achieve one person, one vote. But these demands only focus on the democratic rights in Hong Kong. They don't mean so much for workers and oppressed people in China. So to spread the struggle to China, a different program is needed. A sixth, a seventh and eighth demand. The struggle needs to take aim at capitalism, which is an intrinsic part of the totalitarian system. In China and Hong Kong, capitalism and dictatorship go hand in hand. So if you if you only fight just one, you won't succeed. Therefore, a movement confined to Hong Kong won't be enough. This is also why international solidarity can't only just focus on Hong Kong. Correctly, ISA says solidarity against repression in China as well as Hong Kong. Comrades should understand that some important local factors created barriers to the development of the struggle in 2019. Localists, uh, right-wing Hong Kong nationalist current, want to turn their backs on China, including ordinary Chinese people. This is one of the barriers to building a united struggle. Most localists are fanatical Trump supporters and, for example, attack the BLM movement in US as a plot of Chinese government. And the main pan-democratic parties, uh, we can call them bourgeois liberals, have also stood for compromise with the dictatorship. They encourage the mistaken idea that Hong Kong is unique and can get gradual democratic reforms from Beijing if the demands are moderate, and they accept the dictatorship's rule in China. They encourage that the belief of one country, two system is a good and sustainable system. It was possible to develop democracy in the Hong Kong part of the two systems. Uh, but we explained that it was impossible for one country, two systems to last if the dictatorship remained in power. Our warning has unfortunately been vindicated. The national security law is the end of the one country, two systems in Hong Kong, and only a shell remains. We stand for continued struggle for democratic rights as a worker struggle against capitalism in China and globally. In 1848, Marx and Engels in the Communist Manifesto wrote, The first step in the revolution by the working class is to raise the proletariat to the position of ruling class to win the battle of democracy. For us, these words still show the way forward. Thank you, comrades. So our comrades in Hong Kong and China very much need financial support to uh, fight this campaign against the dictatorship. Um, and so there are ways that you watching this, this show, wherever you are, on your phone, on your computer, in your house, in your car, there are ways that you can help uh, with this campaign. So Jacko, can you explain to our viewers uh, what they can do to support this campaign in Hong Kong and China? If ISA launched international solidarity campaign to get support from workers and youth around the world fight against dictatorship. We need your support in solidarity action, but also financial support to defend democratic rights, but also uh, defend ISA in Hong Kong and China. Under severe repression in Hong Kong, 
Socialist Action is organizing semi underground now. Our private activities face continuous police harassment. Our personal security is threatened. A pro-CCP website put up personal and family details of protesters in Hong Kong, and one of our comrades' details is on it. Xi Jinping will not stop this repression unless there's a mass revolutionary upheaval. The repression will continue and it is a long term. They will not make significant reform on democratic rights unless there's a mass revolutionary upheaval. Our organization is going into a difficult period, but we think we can still organize, fight and also grow. While the other opposition liberal parties stop their public activities, we're still going on spreading socialist ideas and also defend democratic rights on the street. We can do it because the Marxist and internationalist perspective to allow us to look further and wider from Hong Kong. Also, because of the sacrifices of our comrades and the tightness of our organization, we are able to turn into this new situation and to defend our organization. Many organizations decide to dissolve itself or planning to do so. The pandemocrats cannot survive without parliamentary election. But also, Marxists can have a, a tradition to organize on the street with workers and also to organize underground, like the Bolshevik Party in the early 20th century in Russia. ISA is the only Marxist organization uh, internationally working in mainland China. Our comrades in mainland China are arrested last year for joining our action, joining our organization. All of them take risks of personal security uh, or even risk of going into prison for joining ISA. The new generation of socialists are becoming increasingly uh, courage and sacrificing. We have our bi-monthly magazine with over a thousand of subscribers. There has been increasing interest in subscribing our magazine. Our comrades in mainland China are involved in writing these materials. We have several young comrades in China arrested by security agents last year. We don't get any finance support from corporations or the state. We need finance support from our comrades, workers and youth supporters. Please go to the link on the screen to set up a monthly donation with your credit card. A monthly donation would be much better than a one-off donation. 20-30 US dollars per month is a big support for us. Our full-timers have a very low uh, uh, salary, uh, lower than minimum wage level. We need a stable and regular strong financial base to continue our work. So please uh, go to the link and make a monthly donation to us. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jacko, and thank you to everyone who took their time to record these videos. I think this has been really, really educational, really interesting. And I urge everyone who's watching it to first go and uh, follow the Facebook page and also donate and follow everything that Jacko just said. Obviously, the situation in China and Hong Kong is a very extreme situation and anyone who can help, that would be incredible for our comrades and that is also why we've launched this campaign so please go and uh, do that but before we move on i just want to mention that like we said this is a situation that doesn't only affect china and hong kong we've seen this pandemic affect 
the way, uh, you know, the pandemic that started in China affect the entire world. And we, we have to kind of always reiterate how international all of these issues are. And I think it's really clear that from the pandemic, we've seen Asian people in particular facing kind of like a heightened risk of racist attacks in Western countries. Uh, and there's because a lot, a lot of us because of the kind of rhetoric that figures like Trump uh, used uh, when talking about the COVID pandemic. And our solidarity campaign is going to link all of these issues together. Uh, the issues of state repression, but also the democratic rights to anti-racist initiatives and united struggle as well. And I think if we have, like, if we, like, we, we, it's, it's not, obviously not lucky, but it's a coincidence, uh, but not really a coincidence that we've seen this attack going on in the US right now, uh, specifically against uh, Asian people. So I was wondering if Toya, can you tell us a little bit about what happened in Atlanta? Yeah, I mean, Yara, it was not a coincidence. I mean, the buildup to this terrible, terrible, you know, tragedy um, we've seen in like mass media, um, especially the Financial Times, which, you know, that's what the that's the the what the capitalists like to use to, you know, talk about what what their perspectives are on things. But, um, you know, lots of other different types of media, these demonizing um, articles and photos of, you know, um, anti-China, anti-China, anti-China. Um, and so it's no coincidence that while the the ruling class and the capitalists are using, you know, nationalism and, and uh, racist language in the corporate media, that at the same time, you know, as you mentioned, the pandemic starting um, in China, we've seen attacks thousands over the past year. Um, but it's, yeah, it's no coincidence that at the same time, um, this man in Georgia um, went to a, a, a store and bought a gun and, you know, less than an hour or so later went and murdered eight people, six of them being, um, you know, Asian American women. Um, and might I say, Yara, that it's easier in the state of Georgia to buy a gun and kill someone than it is to register to vote. You know, it's just, it's, it's an absolute atrocity, um, but it's, it's totally connected um, the way uh, uh, that racism is, is put out into the world through the corporate media and the way that it's taken in. Um, and yes, of course, as you mentioned, the, the, the rhetoric that Trump um, has said, you know, had said over the, over the past uh, year with the pandemic, you know, um, saying terrible, terrible things uh, about, you know, why the virus is here, saying, you know, the awful thing like Kung flu, which is just terrible and disgusting. And you see on social media, um, there was this one really touching video of, a, of a, a school teacher in New York City, and she was saying the hateful things that her students were saying to her because of what they see in the corporate media, because of what they hear from their parents, um, you know, just because she's of Asian descent. Um, and then on top of that, you know, you've got this the effect of the trade war and the effect of this, you know, as Jacko explained, these U.S.-China relations, but also this man was targeting women. Um, you know, he murdered women because of, you know, his ideas of, I don't know, it's crazy what he was talking about, the reason that he murdered women. But, you know, we just recently talked about the violence against women that we've seen um, heightened during the pandemic. And so all of these things are just related. Um, and I think it's important for us to acknowledge that 
Um, you know, it, it's not just a question of racism and, and white supremacy. There's really a role that capitalism is playing in these types of atrocities. And it's just, it's a terrible, terrible situation. Um, you know, Socialist Alternative in the U.S. put out a statement. You can check out socialsalternative.org um, to read our analysis on the situation. Um, but it's just, it's, it's, it's scary, Yara. Yeah, and I think it's also, you know, at the start of the pandemic, when Trump started coming up with his horrifying terminology uh, about the pandemic, people were just saying, well, it's just words. What can words do? And I think this kind of shows how people and figures like Trump, even if they don't actively go and do something racist, the way that they talk, the way that they act, it's kind of building this consciousness, but also allowing for people uh, who are racist uh, to kind of come out of the holes and kind of it builds up in, in this horrible way. And I think that completely connects to also how we talk about how, how Trump talks about women and the, the way that we've seen that struggle go on. And I also think, uh, you know, like the fact that this man was talking about um, the, the, the women that he killed as if they don't matter because of whether they were sex workers or not. It's just ridiculous, and especially in the context of what we're talking about, about racism, about immigration, about trafficking in a lot of cases. It's just so horrifying to see this you know, misogynistic and racist perspective about people who either did not choose um, to uh, move or chose to move and were faced with impossible situations due to this capitalist system that makes people go into the kind of like lowest positions in their lives just to make ends meet. And to be punished for that is just absolutely disgusting. It really is. But on, you know, this topic of fighting racism and white supremacy, I'm very excited for our shout out of the week. Unfortunately, um, you know, our guest who's going to talk about the shout out, I know we normally don't do that. Normally we just talk about it, but um, this is so exciting. We wanted to have a guest come and talk about it. Unfortunately, he couldn't make it on the show with us today, but we have a video of me um, uh, interviewing him about our shout out. So here is Ryan from Social Alternative in Chicago. We can all get more together than we can apart. We can get more organized together than we can apart. And this is the way we gain power. Power is the ability to achieve purpose. Power is the ability to affect change. And we need power. What is power? Power is the ability of labor unions like UAW to make the most powerful corporation in the world, General Motors, say yes when it wants to say no. That's power. Amazon is worth $1.56 trillion with a T, making it one of the most powerful corporations today and in history. And we are going to make them say yes to workers' power, say yes to economic prosperity, making them say yes to what it really means to make Black Lives Matter. Solidarity to Amazon workers and solidarity to the entire Asian American community. Thank you. So what you just saw was Ryan Watson, who's a member of Socialist Alternative in Chicago. And like I said earlier, we're doing a special shout out of the week this week where Ryan took the time to come in and talk with us. Um, about an exciting announcement that we have in Socialist Alternative in the U.S. So welcome, Ryan. Thanks for joining us. I love seeing that video. It's great seeing you in action. Um, so 
for our shout out of the week this week. Um, can you let our viewers know what is happening in the U.S. section of Socialist Alternative? Yes, of course. Uh, thanks for having me, uh, Toya. Um, so we just launched this uh, caucus called the Black Caucus of the Socialist Alternative, um, which essentially is uh, an extension of the POC caucus that has already been in existence for quite some time. This is so exciting and super timely, obviously. Um, it shows that, you know, the organization is, is growing immensely and, um, you know, we're recruiting uh, all sorts of people in our organization, young, old, workers, students. Um, but, you know, what exactly is a Black Caucus and, uh, you know, what types of things will the Black Caucus do? Uh, it, as the name assumes, it's a, it's a, it's the Black Caucus is just a place for black members of the organization to be able to come together, discuss like political perspectives and kind of the, the politics of, of uh, what it means to be working class and black in, um, in the US and um, figuring out ways that we can kind of struggle around way, you know, to, to, to fight back against the dual issues um, of, of, uh, of racism and capitalism, uh, ideas that have been around for you know decades. You've had people like Ella Baker, Martin Luther King, Huey Newton, um, W. B. Du Bois. You name it. They've drawn the conclusions and the connections of these uh, these two ills of U.S. society. And so we want to kind of create a um, a situation in the U.S. where we can kind of discuss these uh, ideals and discuss the dynamics of the struggle that is growing around us, especially in the wake of uh, the struggles that we've seen in the in the last year. Absolutely. Um, you know, being a member of Socialist Alternative, you know, you have these analysis where you're uh, discussing not just uh, capitalism and socialism, but also the special oppression that we feel um, as workers and youth. And it's it's so important that we take the time and we create the space um, to allow for this to happen. But Ryan, I got to ask, you know, why now? Why, um, you know, uh, in 2021? Yeah. What what sparked this now? I mean, it's a great question. Uh, why now? Because what do we see around us? We've seen the biz biggest explosion um, of actions and activity in in America in decades. Um, and actually, I think this is the largest uh, mobilization. I think it's 20 million people were in the streets in all 50 states, um, not include not including the rest of the world, which um, that number, you know, blows out of the water even further. But I think it's the biggest action that we've seen on um, US land. And um, I think it's important for us to kind of be able to discuss in the uh, in the ebbs and flows of 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 this struggle, uh, what we think is coming down the pipeline, um, there are uh, conversations around accountability um, of like activist community and also our elected officials, and a lot of that is coming out, you know, specifically around the idea. Like we we saw that in twenty twenty um, around George Floyd, where you know mayors were spray painting uh, Black Lives Matter on the ground while at the exact same time uh, funneling millions of dollars into the into into the police. Um, when one of the main demands from the movement 
was defund the police. So I think it's super important for us to kind of be able to draw the analysis of, of, of like scientific socialism um, that connects us to understand that we can address racism, you know, without addressing capital. Um, and especially when we're seeing a, a flourishing of, uh, of a black misleadership class um, and, and a black billionaire class that it's going to be super important to kind of be able to address it and be like, um, here's a counter analysis, a working class analysis, a socialist analysis that um, will be able to, um, you know, respond to these uh, because obviously there's a there's a definite um, need for that because most people are looking at these things and they're like, hmm. I'm curious to what this is. So we want to give voice to that. Yeah, I totally agree. And, you know, you mentioned the black leadership class and we're seeing a lot coming out in the media about, you know, um, what's going on with the, the Black Lives Matter movement and, um, you know, people like, um, you know, Tamir Rice's mother um, speaking out against uh, people profiting off of the movement. And all of these things need to be discussed. We, we, we need to address these issues. Um, but this is a huge step forward for the organization. I'm so excited um, that we're, we're launching this, um, this caucus. So, uh, yeah, just one more question for you, Ryan. Um, uh, how can people find out, you know, about the caucus and, and what it is that, uh, you know, the Black Caucus is saying and doing? Um, how can people reach out? Well, in terms of like social media, you can find us on Instagram where we'll be, you know, posting obviously pictures and, and videos, um, but also some of our um, articles will be alluded to inside the Instagram. But then you could go to the socialistalternative.org webpage to kind of read some of the articles that we have, which kind of illuminates kind of our perspectives that will come out of these meetings. Um, but on a more specific, more kind of like um, introductory level, we have the April 4th action, which is actually Easter Sunday, but um, it is also the anniversary of the murder of Martin Luther King while he was in Memphis fighting for sanitation workers um, in the wake of two people dying um, in the back of a, a sanitation truck. And so we want to, um, you know, inaugurate the Black Caucus discussion on that day. It's going to be 6 p.m. Chicago time. So, uh, you know, but it's a national conference. So, I mean, a national discussion. So people should be uh, interested in coming to that. Um, and that's going to be a public meeting. And so we're going to have a link on the Instagram that's going to actually point towards a direction. You should register there and definitely come out. There'll be an introduction and there'll be some, dis there'll be discussion there. So we wanna um, open it up to anybody who is a working class um, socialist, maybe, you know, uh, to kind of come in and have this discussion because I think through these perspective discussions, we can kind of be able to channel what direction um, we think is coming down the pipeline in the, in the coming period, especially around like the discussion that you uh, even brought out. If, if I'm correct, I think if Tamir Rice would have been alive today, he would have been 18. Um, so I think it's super important to acknowledge. I mean, the, you know, the mother lost her 12 year old son, you know, uh, it's, because he had a BB gun in his hand and, um, and, and, and we've seen the video. 
And that her anger is righteous. And we need to be able to uh, actually have something foundationally um, established that can be like, look, my my son didn't die for uh, for no reason. And we want to we want to fight for a society that there won't be any more Timur Rice's um, and there won't be any more Breonna Taylor's or Tony McDade's or Mike Brown's or George Floyd's and far too many other names that I can't even uh, list out or, you know, the Emmett Till's, you know. Um, so, uh, yeah, April 4th, if you're available, hopefully you can come off of family dinner if that's what you're doing that day and you can just join us um, for you know, a discussion that will be able to um, point in a direction of, 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 of the next steps and actually uh, meeting with like-minded individuals about uh, struggling for uh, Black liberation and the liberation of all working people. Thanks so much, Ryan. I'm so excited. Can't wait for the updates. Um, and thank you for coming on the show. And I want to thank everyone who tuned in with us today. Ryan gave us a preview kind of of what our episode will be next week. So make sure you are subscribed to our channel. Hit the bell notification so you can get um, alerted when we put out new content. And we'll see you next week. Same time, same place. Thanks. <laughs>